Welcome back to the 2R1 podcast where we study the Bible together as a married couple. But tonight it's just me. Elisa's got the night off. The title tonight is The Center. We're going to be speaking with a good friend of mine, Chad Harvey, uh, with a pre recorded interview from Israel. He is the author of two books on Bible prophecy, and we get his take on the current geopolitics and prophecy of the day. So, this is a thinking person's podcast, so we hope you enjoy it. Uh, sit back, enjoy the ride, and put your thinking caps on. It's going to be a uh, treat. Let's jump right in. So like I mentioned in the intro, this is a very in-depth podcast. This is a thinking person's podcast. So I hope you stay tuned and listen because it is very important, the things that we're going to be discussing on here. We're about to go to a pre-recorded uh, interview with a good friend of mine, Chad Harvey, live from Israel. He was over there for about a week. He just arrived back in the States today. Uh, but we're going to be talking about all kinds of things, and that's going to be the interview that you hear. It's about an hour long, so I hope that you uh, stay tuned the whole time. And hopefully it will breathe some wisdom uh, into uh, some of your conversations that you have with family and friends and, and just people about um, what the Bible has to say about the times that we're living in and the times to come. So uh, we hope you enjoy it. If you have any questions or anything, uh, just look at the description. You can email us here at uh, questions at 2R1. Dot org, or you can reach out to Chad as well if you're interested in getting his books. We talk about that later in the podcast. So here goes the interview, and I'll see you guys after. We have our special guest on the line, uh, on the phone, all the way from Israel, on the ground in Israel. Um, he is the uh, owner, the creator of FaithfulPerformance.com. He's the author of two books on biblical prophecy. Uh, Chadwick Harvey joins us. Thank you for joining us, Chad. Hey, Taylor. It's always great to be with you. I hope all is well with you. All is well, man, stateside. Everything's going good. Chad is a, is a good friend of our family. Uh, we're from uh, both from South Georgia, and uh, God has really been speaking to Chad in these past several years from some of the Old Testament prophets and just really giving Chad a thirst for uh, some of the Old Testament prophets and their writing and the prophecies that we're seeing come to fruition and being fulfilled and ones in the future. Uh, Chad, I know that you have just taken a trip to Israel. You're on the ground over there. Could you just share with us what it's like to walk where Jesus walked, man, to be over there in the Holy Lands? Well, yes, it's absolutely surreal. Uh, I'm over here with a friend of mine who's uh, been on this journey with me uh, for about five years, and uh, we came over with a group, FAI, and uh, also Joel Richardson, who writes prophecy books as well. And it's just absolutely surreal once you land in Tel Aviv and take the drive, uh, the 45-minute drive uh, through uh, the 1948 gates and into the Holy City. Uh, you look around and you're you're thinking, you know, this is what the prophets are thinking of. They have this total understanding of what's going to occur at the end of the age with the re restoration of the kingdom of Israel uh, through Jesus. So uh, once we got into uh, 
uh, to the hotel that night when we got in, we just walked around because it was just there was no way we could have slept because we were just so excited and uh, to be on the Mount of Olives, to uh, see the city of David, to see all these great historical sites, to be on the southern steps where uh, there was so many uh, preachers with Joel and Peter giving his uh, uh, explanation of the gospel uh, in Acts, you know, on the steps. It's mm. just a really a surreal moment and to see the Valley of Jehoshaphat and and also the struggle uh, that comes with this. Uh, when we were uh, on the Mount of Olives and also in the city of David, you can hear the Islamic call to prayer uh, across the Valley of Jehoshaphat. So the struggle is real, and it's a uh, it's almost like bittersweet, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, awesome and terrible, as Joel uh, describes it in the book of Joel. You know, that there's this awesome feeling of what's coming, but we, you can see the struggle of what is going to come with, like I said, with the uh, struggle with the Islamic prayer, call to prayer, and just the uh, um, controversy over the covenants, uh, if you will. Yes, and I'm glad you, you mentioned that. I, I saw your Instagram post. I love the way that you worded it. <clears throat> you boiled it all the way down to the Abrahamic covenant. For those of us who are a little bit rusty on some of the history of Israel, could you give us a short synopsis of just the Abrahamic covenant, how it relates to the struggle as old as time over there, and also the the stroke you mentioned the Islamic prayers and could you speak briefly about the Dome of the Rock just kind of the the tension that is there for those of us that may not be as familiar with that. Uh, sure. Well, uh, the struggle is all about, like you said, the Abrahamic covenant. And um, if people aren't familiar with those, I'll summarize it real quick because the Davidic covenant and the New Covenant all they both build and extend upon the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, in summary, the Abrahamic covenant, the main components promise uh, two things that are very prophetic. One is the literal piece of land, promised land that's mentioned in the scriptures, and then also that there's going to be a seed uh, of this uh, of the pure royal lineage of Abraham, uh, Isaac, and Jacob. And obviously, when you read through Genesis, it, it shows you the pure royal lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so that's the two major components. That has not been fulfilled yet. Uh, they have never controlled all of the promised land that was promised to Abraham. Hmm. So that's waiting to be fulfilled by Jesus at his second coming. Well, then you go to the Davidic covenant, and most more people are more familiar with the Davidic covenant. We all know that Jesus is going to come back and sit on David's everlasting throne. That was promised in 2 Samuel 7. Okay, so it's basically telling us, it, re- it reverses back to the Abrahamic covenant that that seed will become the king. The pure royal lineage seed, Jesus, will become king over the children of Israel, over the specific piece of land. David's throne was in Jerusalem. Okay, so they build and extend, they work perfectly together. Mm -hmm. And now when you get to the new covenant, uh, the new covenant and a lot of misconception with Gentiles is the new covenant is not first found in Matthew 26. Uh, The blood of the new covenant, Messiah, Jesus, he did get crucified and resurrected for all of us, and we are part of the new covenant, but we're not living in it. Because in Jeremiah 31, that new covenant is made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And it's very important for our theology to be correct that uh, Romans 11 says that we're grafted in to those covenants. You know, Ephesians 2, 11 through 13 says we're part of the commonwealth of Israel, mm-hmm. of God. There's no Gentiles uh, covenant, so to speak. So it's very important for Gentiles to understand that. So we're no longer Gentiles, we're Israel. We're part of commonwealth of Israel. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it goes on in Galatians 3, 26 through 29, it says, if you are a seed of Abraham, 
you are a seed of Christ and an heir according to the promise. Paul says that in Galatians, so he's telling us that we are a seed of Abraham, and we're part of the Abrahamic covenant. That is the promise. Uh, and all of those covenants that I just mentioned are irrevocable. They're unconditional, which means it didn't have to do with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, or David. It depended on God's sovereign righteousness. And then they're everlasting. So everlasting, as you know, <laughs> means everlasting, mm-hmm. uh, eternal. They will be fulfilled. They're forever. So uh, when we, when when you're over in Israel and you're thinking about these covenants, which are very important for us to understand, this is what it's about. You've got the uh, Muslims who believe Islam, who believes that it's Ishmael and Esau who has the right to the land. And then, as we know in the Bible, it says uh, Jacob and uh, uh, Isaac and Jacob. So it's mm-hmm. Isaac versus Ishmael, mm-hmm. Jacob versus Esau, if you will, with the rights to the land on how we all view it. The Jews and the Christians, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. The Muslims believe Ishmael and Esau, and there's your controversy of the covenants. There's your war. There's your end of the age picture of what's going on. And whenever you're seeing the the Islamic call to prayer across from the city of David, uh, when you're overlooking the Valley of Jehoshaphat, it just really brings these covenants to life of it's really that simple. This is a family yep. feud over the deed to the land. That's really what it's about. It's about any, uh, we, we say it all the time in, in America, the deed, the will, when so, someone's parents pass away, the will, yep. you know, and then there's exactly. the division. Well, it's kind, of, it's kind of the same, it's kind of the same thing, you know, it's over. Thank uh, you for boiling that down. That is, that is so good. And, you know, sometimes for those who um, hear politicians say many times, especially politicians try and skate around, Sometimes the the simplicity of the issue, as you boiled it down to the deed of the land, their God says it's theirs. Our God, the one true God, says it belongs to his people, the children of Israel that we've been grafted into. It all boils down to that. But politicians, many times you'll hear them say, it's all because this is kind of a quote you hear them say, Israel is the only uh, Western-style democracy in the Middle East. We need to support them as an ally. But uh, the Judeo-Christian ethics that uh, we were founded on as a country, um, as Christian people, we align with the children of Israel, with the people of Israel, because those are God's chosen people. And because of that, um, we... You know that's why we support Israel because God has given this land to them. That is that is our faith. That is our foundation. It's not because of any other thing necessarily, other than that. If, yes, it's great that they are a Western-style democracy situated in a in a, in a tumultuous, terrorizing type you know area of the world. But it all boils down to the deed for the land. I'm I'm so glad that you that you uh, boiled that down for us. I appreciate that because I think we all need to remember that. Um, and it really comes down to, you know, we, cho- we either we choose to uh, believe and walk by what God has said or we don't. Um, and, and all of our decisions should, should break down on those lines, whether that be in the world of politics or in our personal lives. God has said it. Let God be true and every man a liar. Um, I choose to, to put my allegiance with God and what he has said in his holy word. And, and I'm glad that you brought that up because that is what it all boils down to. So, Chad, I know that you're in Israel uh, for kind of a uh, a work uh, to, to to go and do work and to study and to learn and to grow. It's not just a vacation. Uh, this you are there um, uh, for a prophecy conference of sorts. And Chad, could you share with us what you have been doing since you've been there, uh, what you've seen, and then we'll move on from there. But could you just share to us with us what you've been doing since you've been in Israel? 
Sure. Uh, yeah, the first couple of days we were in Jerusalem, and we did go to some of the holy sites, you know, the Mount of Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane, the City of David, the Southern Steps, where, you know, I mentioned those sermons were preached, you know, but we, uh, those are very prophetic as well. As we know, the Mount of Olives, Zechariah 14, he will put his feet upon the Mount of Olives, and whenever you see it in person, it brings those scriptures to life. You know, with Zechariah 14, also Matthew 25, uh, which is is, is uh, the all of the discourse uh, by Messiah himself when he gathers all nations to the Valley of Jehoshaphat and he separates the sheep from the goats. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, because of his brethren, his brethren first of all is the Jewish people. That's mm-hmm. his brethren. Now, of course, we're all his brethren, but I believe he's specifically, literally, literally talking about. Uh, the Jewish people. So it's how we as a Christian, as a believer, will act upon uh, being support of the children of Israel. It's one thing to be, uh, you know, supporting them and, oh, I support Israel, I support Israel. Are we praying for them? Are we supporting for them? Are we sharing the gospel with them? Uh, Are we caring for for them, just like he says in Matthew 25? And you see in the Valley of Jehoshaphat where he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. Uh, and basically, some of those places, uh, uh, one of them, uh, you can see exactly where uh, he's going to do that. So uh, just the seeing those things come to fruition in, in person, so to speak, and you're saying, wow, this is what Zachariah was talking about. This is what Jesus was talking about, Joel 3, you know, when he says he's going to bring them all down to the Valley of Jehoshaphat. So you see these scriptures pop out. So we saw that. We also saw where the original uh, where the true city of David is located. There's been some uh, misconception on where that actually is, and they're doing a lot of archeo- archaeological work uh, with uh, the with this true city of David. I think I did post that on Facebook as well, where David's, basically we were sitting in David's basement, you know, <laughs> with, so cool. uh, where it is, and we saw, we saw where his rooftop would have been, where we know the story about Bathsheba, and then that, that uh, roadway, uh, they did a lot of excavation work along the roadway that goes down to the Pool of Salaam. So uh, mm-hmm. it's just really, it's a really a new deal right now. And I think they're going to open up to the public uh, here. Uh, it was kind of like a private tour with some, uh, so we had some generals and some people that were kind of connected within uh, the city and with the uh, uh, access uh, to those places. So I think they're wow. going to open up to the public uh, soon, but uh, you'll see, I mean, it's going to be the original city of David, which is south of, uh, the temple, uh, if you will. Um, we also uh, went through uh, to the Western Wall, of course, which is very prophetic. And then we over when you overlook uh, the Western Wall on the other side, that's the Temple Mount, the holiest site on the face of the earth with the biggest abomination on it, which mm-hmm. is uh, c- kind of incredible uh, right now. And what's so interesting for people who have never been over here is uh, Jews or Christians cannot ascend that Temple Mount. Uh, there's a, a few of the Jewish people that have had access when you see it uh, but not many. It's very is a very small uh, group that they'll go to the side of it. You know, right here in the access, you've seen that on social media and stuff. But overall, Jews or Christians cannot go up there. Only Muslims. And if you really think about it, as the holiest site on the face of the earth, where Abraham, uh, God told Abraham not to sacrifice Isaac, but where the Father uh, allowed. Uh, mankind to sacrifice his son. It's pretty, uh, pretty remarkable. It's just, mm. it's phenomenal. So we did that, and then we went. And down that's the to, Dome of the uh, Rock, the, of, the abomination you're talking about. That's that, right. Okay, th- that's right. So there's the Dome of the Rock, which is more of a, um, it's more of a just a piece, a beauty piece, as I call it, just to look at it. But the where they worship is the Al Aska Mosque. So there's two mosques on there. One's for show, you know, for all the. 
uh, candy, you know, so to speak, to look at. And then mm-hmm. the other one right beside us where they go in and worship and things like that, the Al-Aska Mosque. So we did that, and it brings, again, uh, the controversy of the covenants that we just mentioned. Uh, it brings them to light. When you actually see it, you see the regulations, how the Jewish people cannot go and worship as a group, okay, and as Christians can't go up there. And it is controlled by the Jordanians, if people don't know. So the Jordanians control it. Israel puts the security force around it to protect it. It's kind of a weird dynamic, mm-hmm. but that's just the arrangement that it's been uh, since 67, you mm-hmm. know, since the Six-Day War in 67. So when you see these things come to light, and then, uh, like you said, we're here really for uh, geopolitical and prophecy uh, tour and conference, and we went down to the Gaza Strip, which uh, most tours do not go down uh, to Gaza, you mm-hmm. know, and we really got— it brought that to life because there's real people down there on both sides of the Palestinians and then also the Israelis who still live in that area. And one might question why the Israelis just don't pick up and move. Well, that's what they had to do when they gave back the land after 1967 on the Sinai Peninsula. They moved their people. So they're going to stand strong down there no matter how many rockets uh, going over there. And I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 35,000 rockets have come from Gaza since 2001, I believe. Wow! Uh, over into uh, the into uh, the uh, Israel from the Gaza Strip, which is owned. Uh, I'm sorry, it's 2005 because that's when they. Yeah, it's not 2001. It's 2005 uh, when they when George Bush uh, forced Ariel Sharon to evacuate Gaza, you know, since that time, 35,000 rockets uh, have gone into Israel. So it's a real deal. It brings the humanitarian uh, crisis down there as well on both sides. It's really, uh, you see the struggle, you see the real life. Uh, a lot of the stuff we see on media is kind of the uh, fake news, what people call it today is propaganda, mm-hmm. but there's real lives on both sides being affected. And it's really the leadership of the Palestinians, the PLO, Abbas, uh, that's really just um, taking advantage of the people. Uh, is, For instance, I'll give you something interesting. The BDS movement, the BDS movement against Israel uh, to boycott, divest, and all that, it really hurts the Palestinians more than the Israelis. And that's what people uh, don't understand. So all these anti-Semites out there that are wanting to boycott Israel, it's really hurting uh, the Palestinians more so than the Israelis because the, Israel has allowed the Palestinians to come to the West Bank from the Gaza area, like 32,000 of them, to work. Well, if they start losing uh, investments and things like that, then they're going to be the first people that lose on it. So mm-hmm. once you really start seeing how this works, uh, they're really hurting the Palestinians more so than the Israelis. But to see uh, the personal testimonies of the people who are actually living there, the Israelis, it really brings to life, you know, about what this battle is about. And it goes back to Matthew 25 of my brethren and things like that, that we need to all pray for and um, uh, definitely pray for them to accept the gospel first. And then also for the protection uh, of the Lord. So it just really brings to life that with the Gaza border, what's going on, uh, the Southern, but the, really the most important uh, piece of land that we need to look at in prophecy is on the Northern border, which where we were today, uh, the last two days on the Lebanese border and also the Syrian border. Uh, if you look at a map, it's just, very crucial. This uh, topography, this land is very crucial, uh, strategic uh, for any kind of war uh, with the Golan Heights, uh, especially because that's where 
all of the wars in the past and all of the wars in the future will come from. They'll come from the north, not the south, hmm. uh, just like they always have. So it's very strategic in looking at these places in Syria and also in Lebanon and just seeing how close. I mean, you're basically like a, a six, uh, I believe it's like maybe nine miles of the width of uh, from the Lebanese border to the Syrian border on the top part of it, nine miles. Think wow. about that. A country's nine miles wide. You know, so it's very strategic to have the Golan Heights. You saw Trump, uh, you know, basically say that is Israel's land here in the previous couple of years, et cetera. And it's very important because when you read the prophecies, that's where it comes from, the north. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like the prophet Jeremiah said about Nebuchadnezzar. He's coming from the north. So we're see, we'll see these same things occur again, and that's why it's very important uh, for what we're doing over here is to stand with Israel, to, st- to stand with the people in the Golan Heights, etc., to kind of get the message of the gospel out first, and also to stand with Israel as it's commanded by the Messiah. Amen. Um, and Chad, there's just so many places we could go with this. I, I, I feel led to take it here I know you and I have had conversations in the past about the role of Turkey, the role of Iran, the role of Saudi Arabia. Um, I don't claim to be a um, geopolitical expert, but I know, especially Iran being in the news in um, recent weeks as Trump ordered uh, the assassination of uh, Soleimani, one of the top um, military generals of Iran. He was assassinated by drone strike in Iraq. Uh, but a lot of people don't realize, and we've talked about this before, that Syria, as you've worded it, it's kind of the um, the powder keg. It's kind of the the spark that it that that you believe may light um, the the flame for these larger major prophecies to come to fruition. Um, and then Turkey, a lot of people don't realize that in Syria right now you have three huge enemies vying for power, and they've kind of gotten in cahoots with each other. So that being Iran, um, Turkey, which which claims on paper and on the news to be our ally, but anybody that's been following the news knows that um, they have not been a very good ally. They seem to be more buddies with Russia, who is the third party acting in Syria right now, propping up the Assad regime. Uh, they seem to all be working together in Syria, which is a huge issue. A lot of people don't pay attention to that. I know all of this gets very confusing very quickly, but Syria is is a very important piece in the puzzle of all the prophecy that's going on. It's closely tied with Iran. Turkey's a huge piece too. Chad, however you want to, however you feel led to talk about those things, but could you just briefly bring in Iran into the conversation, how that uh, relates to Syria as it relates to Israel and biblical prophecy, and also if you could bring in possibly Turkey at some point in there. Just try and help clear the waters for us uh, kind of stereotypical lazy Americans that need to do a better job of paying attention to these world events as they relate to biblical po- prophecy. Uh, sure, yeah. So just like we said before, everything's going to come from the north. You know, everything's going to come down through the Golan Heights to the Battle of Megiddo. We all know Armageddon, all down to Jerusalem. That's how the uh, it's going to flow from north to south. So uh, to answer your question, uh, the chapter that I believe is the book and chapter that I believe that we really need to pay attention to, wrestle with, pray about, and just watch and see what happens is Daniel 8. And in summary, uh, Daniel, uh, the angel Gabriel says a couple things. Number one, he says it's the end of the age prophecy three times. He confirms it to Daniel. He says, son of man, 
this is for the time of the end. This is for the end of the age. This is for the time of indignation, if you will. Okay, so he makes it clear that the whole prophecy is for the end of the age. Of course, that happened in history. But uh, Daniel says this is for the end of the age as well. So we know how history repeats itself, and this uh, biblical prophecy repeats itself as well, as we all know uh, through many uh, through many episodes in the Bible. Secondly, it says that he describes who these people are. He describes who these two animals are. He describes them as a ram and a goat, as symbolic. But then the angel Gabriel says the first one, the ram, is Persia, which is modern-day Iran. And the second one, it says Greece in your English Bible, but when you look at the Hebrew, it is Yavon, and Yavon is Turkey. Okay, so you, he, Gabriel says that there's going to be this, and then the prophecy continues to state there's going to be this major war between Iran and Turkey. So how does that relate to, to us today? Well, first of all, uh, we have to understand that we are living at the end of the age through many factors. That's probably too much to get into on uh, a single podcast, but we are living at the end of the age, and at some point in time, these two kingdoms are going to come against each other for the superiority of the Middle East, who's going to be the dominant superpower of the Middle East. So it goes back into Daniel 8, uh, that chapter, but Daniel 8 confirms Daniel 2 and Daniel 7. Daniel 2 and Daniel 7 are the same prophecies. And to summarize, there's going to be four kingdoms to rise to power. Okay, and then Jesus will come back to crush all of those kingdoms at one time, all together. That's very important. And and Daniel tells us who these people are as well. The first one will be Babylon, the second one, Persia, the third one, Yvonne. And then that conglomerate of those three will be the Antichrist kingdom that's in Revelation 13, 1 through 2. Okay, so we have to understand uh, the modern day names are Iraq, Iran, Turkey, and then those three land areas that used to be the Babylonian, Medo-Persian, Grecian Empire, Ottoman Empire, if you will, those will be the beast kingdom, the ten kings of the Antichrist. So what can we make of that today? Well, if we take the prophecy, and again, a lot of things go into how we can understand we're living at the end of the age, but uh, in 2003, uh, Babylon fell, Iraq, Saddam Hussein. We all know what happened with America taking Saddam Hussein out, and since that time, I don't think there's a political, a religious leader, or anybody who keeps up with the geopolitical arena over here that cannot say that Iran's not the superpower of the Middle East. I mean, just look back uh, 10 years, look back 15 years, and they have marched north, west, and south with influence through proxies in Yemen and Iraq and Syria, mm-hmm. Lebanon, Hezbollah. They control them. Hamas on the Gaza Strip, where we just were. They control uh, Hamas as well. So the influence is there, and some believe they're going to do a military excursion across there as well to try to shed their Shia crescent, which is basically their views of Islam. You know, there's two views, uh, pretty much uh, Sunni and Shia. They're Shia. Well, what have we seen? We've seen that. So now when you look at Turkey and look at the president of Turkey, Erdogan, if you do your research on him, since 2001, he has that Ottoman Empire tyrannical view of things, of wanting to reestablish the revived Ottoman Empire, Turkey Empire, Turkish Empire, if you will. So when you look at it and what he's done uh, on the 500th anniversary of when the first Sultan of Turkey invaded Dabiq, Syria, and then he became the ruler of the Middle East in 1516, to on the 500th anniversary in 2016, and I put this in my first book, 
Erdogan did the same thing. That's how enamored he is with uh, the first sultan in the Turkish history. He did the same exact thing, went into the big Syria and started uh, in the northeast of Syria, you know, putting down his geography lines, if you will. I mean, he's actually changed some of the maps to include Syria because he believes that Syria is his territory. Iraq is his territory. The Caucasus. Go ahead. To summarize what Chad is saying, again, this uh, ruler of Turkey who claims their country claims to be an ally of the United States, uh, go and research him, like Chad said. His desire is to conquer the entire Middle East and reestablish the Ottoman Empire, which spanned all of the land area, including Syria. Like Chad said, his desire is not to be the friend of America. Um, we have I have a close friend who's got some friends that moved from Turkey. They, they indoctrinate in their schools to hate Americans. They are not an American ally, and I think you're, the, the world is seeing that evolve. But like Chad said, this guy, Erdogan, his desire is to rule all in the Middle East. Go ahead, Chad. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to clarify for everybody. No, no, you're exactly you're exactly right. I mean, he's jailed more, uh, you know, just a lot of people who disagree with him, uh, Muslims, Christians, Jewish people, uh, the journalists. I mean, you just have to review what he's done in the past, especially 10 years. Uh, he's got full control with these elections that's going on. He's got full control, full power. There's no parliament. He is the dictator. He's the sultan. And it, that was even confirmed on the trip with one of the generals that we were speaking with is he is the sultan. He's the dictator of Turkey. So what can we make of that? So go back to Daniel 8. It says that Iran's going to do their thing across the Middle East, become great. And then Turkey's going to respond and they're going to become great. And they're going to smash them. They're going to conquer them. They're going to beat them. Uh, they're going to gain victory over them in a bad war. So and then how do- have we seen recently? How does that connect, Chad, in Syria? How, how do you see that playing out in Syria, at least in your view? If they're seemingly in cahoots, that's just for a time, to, for an end goal. How, how do you see that playing out? Well, uh, when we look at it, um, he says this, and I'm going to quote Erdogan. I'm going to paraphrase this quote, but he says by 2023, his goal is to have the Ottoman Empire geography. Okay, and that includes uh, that includes Syria and Iraq, if you look at the ancient maps. He has said that over and over, and uh, since the coup that went on in Turkey, where I believe he set that up himself, I mean, that's when he started clamping down on all the journalists and mm-hmm. the teachers and the schools and et cetera, with all the Islamic doctrine that you've mentioned before. And now we're starting to see the movement when he invaded Syria, okay, this is this happened a couple months ago. He invaded Syria, which uh, ultimately is going to displace the Kurds. Um, uh, someone told me over the trip that there might be an agreement in place between Turkey and the Kurds. We'll see if that comes public. But as for right now, until that's confirmed, uh, he has marched into Syria even more. Okay, he's created this border. Uh, again, he's wanting to push the Kurds because he hates the Kurds. He wants to eliminate the Kurds, and the Did, Kurds are didn't they are just in, declare them a terrorist group in Syria or in Turkey or something like that? Did I hear that? Th- that's that's correct. So the Kurds are in off. Uh, they're in Iraq. They're in Turkey. They're in Syria. So you have to look at a map. And they're in the corner there. They're in the corner of all, all of those countries. And uh, we have to understand that he wants to he wants that uh, he wants that land. It's all about the land and the real estate over there. So he's already made his move. And just like I've been wrestling with and speaking with my friends and uh, who keep up with this, is how far will he allow Iran to come since he's already made his move? It's just something to watch because the Kurds 
are the ancient Medes, in my opinion. And we look at Daniel, the book of Daniel. Well, the Medes and the Persians were together, Darius and Cyrus. I mm-hmm. mean, actually, Darius and Cyrus were kin. You know, I think I think Cyrus married Darius's daughter. I believe that's the case, or uh, they're, they're kin. So you're going to see the same alignment, I, I believe, because the Kurds have nowhere to go. I mean, you go south into Iraq, it's a disaster. You go over to Lebanon and Syria, we all know what's going on over there. Hezbollah in Lebanon, Syria, civil war, disaster. So I think they'll have asylum, if you will, because of their close ties in the past mm-hmm. with Iran. And, and, we'll and for their own survival, they'll feel that. they'll feel like that's all they have is to side with Iran. Right, because the, because Daniel eight says it's Medo and Persia. It's both of them. It doesn't just say Persia. It says Medo Persia, which is just say the Kurds in Iran, and what I believe. So you're going to see those unite. And I believe you're going to start to see Turkey again. His goal, Erdogan's goal, is for 2023 uh, to be uh, back into the Ottoman Empire, the revived Ottoman Empire. So I guess what we can do is we can just watch and wait and see what happens. Do you see uh, during that, that time? Because do you see the battleground for the possibly the battleground? I know you've mentioned this to me. But do you still see it as possibly Syria being the battleground for that great war between Turkey and Iran? That's right. Well. the 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 prophecy the prophecy states that um, Daniel has this vision. He's on the uh, river of Ulai, and that's basically western Persia. So yes, um, I, I believe I put in the book on the first book of God's prophetic timeline. I just pointed airs towards Iraq and Syria because that's where it's going to begin, which it has. And you're seeing the civil war. You're seeing Syria will never be the same again. It's been confirmed even on this trip. That they will never be the same again. You know, when you got half your population either killed, displaced as refugees, I mean, you're never going to be the same. Just think about that in America. Just think of half of the citizens of America has been killed or displaced. Yeah. America would never be the same again. So it's the same in Syria. And you're just seeing this. You're seeing Daniel 8. And that's why I keep pointing people to this chapter, because it's very clear that there's at the end of the age, there's going to be a war between like we got to get the countries right because there's a mistranslation. It's not Greece and Athens, you know, uh, bling, 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 you know, mm. over there. So it's going to be Turkey, and you're seeing this Erdogan. So I would just put my eyes on Turkey and Erdogan, uh, in, in Erdogan, also in Iran. And what's so interesting, Taylor, is also that look at the two U.S. presidents of uh, the past two U.S. presidents, Obama and Trump. Uh, whether you hate them, love them, or whatever, it's not about that. It's about looking at what they've done because they correlate with Iran and Turkey. When Obama was in office, he gave Iran $150 billion for the nuclear deal and $1.5 million in cash on a pallet uh, over to Iran. He's basically built them up. So all of these rockets that we're seeing fired into Israel from Hezbollah, Hamas, and uh, et cetera, in Syria, they're coming from Iran, because, or they're ultimately with the money that was uh, sent by America. You know, so that's really how you can look at it because wow. uh, Obama built uh, Iran up to the superpower that, or he added more fuel to them because, again, their economy is not good. But listen, 150 billion dollars right. and 1.5 million in cash—that's a lot of money to sponsor Terra right. you know, and all these tunnels that that they've showed us this 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 week with. The underground tunnels with weapons and cash, and they're the biggest sponsor of terror, Iran, in the Middle East with those proxy groups that we mentioned, Hezbollah, Hamas, uh, the Houthis in Yemen, etc., Iraqi militias. Uh, so, but, so then you got Trump, okay? And when Trump got into office, what did he do? 
he's against Iran. So it's almost Daniel 8 in American form, if you will. Mm-hmm. Obama built up Iran, and now you've got Trump who's going against Iran, and he's opening the door for Turkey. Because, number one, you're a NATO member with Turkey. And number two, uh, that's just how it's working with what he's done. And then look what he's just recently done. Uh, he pulled out of Syria, which he caught a lot of flack, and I didn't agree with him pulling out of Syria because the Kurds are left there right. in a bad shape. So he basically speak. gave Erdogan However, permission to attack the Kurds, essentially. Exactly. Basically genocide, you know? Yeah. And uh, so um, an annihilation, or they'll have to flee to Persia, in my personal opinion. So then you have what? What do you have now? You have uh, he pulls out of Syria, he assassinates Baghdadi, the leader of ISIS. And then he assassinates basically the secretary of state of Iran. That's how you can look at it, uh, Soleimani. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, you can't overestimate the importance of this general. He's the one who had all the relationships. And this was confirmed over this trip as well through these generals and these majors that spoke in front of us. From the IDF, the is that who that's from? The generals? Right. Okay. From the IDF, yep, from the IDF, that the relationships, you know this, Taylor, relationships, we can't overvalue relationships in this life and he had a great relationship uh, with Assad okay with with Putin with Hamas with Hezbollah he was the one who trained all these people they were under his command digging the tunnels the weapons he was very strategic uh, in that I would say uh, he was the number one sponsor of terror in the world by far there's not there's wow. probably not a debate about it and um so basically you're taking the state the secretary uh, trump assassinated him well the, in fact it's funny because the intelligence came from israel but israel can't they can't assassinate right. <laughs> it would be world war three if they did that right <laughs> so, right uh, they uh, trump, trump took trump took care of it but from what we understand in this trip that the israeli intelligence is the one who gave the window for them to kill him in uh, Iraq, I believe. So uh, it's one of those things to where you're just seeing how all this plays with all these figures, all these kings of the earth, if you will. And again, it's not about whether you love Trump, hate Trump, love this, love that. It's about honestly stepping back and seeing how Daniel 8, these two countries, how both presidents have gone opposite ways with it. And I believe when you look at the age of the Ayatollah over there, you know, he's the only one of two leaders in the last 40 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we know how 40 is a, is a time of testing number in the Bible throughout the scriptures. And we'll just kind of see what happens with that. I'm not going to set dates or anything like that, but I think you're seeing Iran almost at its peak. Okay. Will they do a military excursion? We'll wait and see. They definitely could, but I believe Turkey will respond very quick because his goal again is to be the dominant superpower of the Middle East and the ancient uh, over the land area, and that includes Syria, that includes uh, Iraq, Caucasus, Lebanon, all of those areas. And then what did he do recently? And this is something that's very interesting as well. He went into Libya. Libya. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what, what does Libya have to do with this? Well, when we read Daniel 11, 40 through 41, it says there's going to be three kings that the Antichrist plucks. He, he gets rid of, he conquers Libya, Egypt, and Sudan. It says Ethiopia in your Bible, but when you look at the Hebrew translation, it's really Sudan uh, that he's speaking of. So I think it's very interesting, and no, Erdogan is not the Antichrist. I'm not saying that at all. I just feel like these are foreshadows of what's coming in the future with the Libya thing, and we're going to see this guy, this large horn, this first king, Erdogan, uh, reach his prophetic calling, in my personal opinion, 
But then once Turkey smashes Iran, he will die four regions, and then the Antichrist will rise to power after that. So we've got a process to go on uh, for sure, but I believe these 2020s, uh, I was on vacation when uh, the assassination of Soleimani hit, and I couldn't believe it. I was mm-hmm. like, wow, I can't believe he did. I couldn't believe it because, again, he's a major factor, and he's assassinated, and I believe uh, that is a crink in their chain, if you will, and I mm-hmm. believe Trump is opening the door to Erdogan through that, through the Kurd situation with withdrawing from the Kurds. So I just think it's very important for uh, all believers to really look at this prophecy of Daniel 8 that's going to fulfill Daniel 2 and Daniel 7. It's basically the transition of the second kingdom, Iran, to the third kingdom, Turkey. And then after that is the conglomerate. So I think it's very important to look at. And and Chad, we're I do not care that we're going long because this is such a big, big deal. And if this needs to be its own um, single broadcast, we, so be it. I, there's so much we could go to. There's so much we could get to. But I really think uh, for the people listening, and again, we're going to close with talking briefly about Chad's books uh, on some of these subjects where you can go and learn more. Also, Chad, and I love this about Chad, he always points people to the scriptures. Uh, so, not that Chad's books are the authority on these subjects. They're just, uh, as God has spoken to him as he's read the scriptures, but he's pointing all of us to go read the scriptures so that we can all be on the same page and try and glean what God would have us to know. But I do think we need to bring in Saudi Arabia uh, and how that somewhat connects to all this. Chad, do you mind speaking briefly about Saudi Arabia? Uh, however you want to go with it, our, our past, our American past, present, future relationship with Saudi Arabia, how does that connect a lot of people don't see that as an issue. Could you talk briefly about that? Sure. I think Arabia is very important, uh, just like most countries in the Middle East. And we have to all understand the main thing is uh, to read the biblical prophets and to understand the world that they were speaking of is the Middle East and North Africa. That's what they would have understood in the Table of Nations in Genesis 10 and 11. Uh, the focus on this biblical world, this the Middle Eastern world, North Africa as well, Egypt, Libya, Sudan, uh, Tunisia, all these areas. Uh, this is where it's all going to go down. This is the primary spot because guess what? It goes back to the covenants of what we mentioned, Israel, and then the surrounding nations. And when you look at Israel on a map and you look at the surrounding nations, they're all radicals. They're all radical. They want to kill Israel and blow them up, even if they say they don't. Now, Saudi Arabia, uh, has the relations with Israel has gotten a lot better because guess what? They're worried about Iran. So Hmm. you have to understand the two divisions of Islam. Uh, Arabia is Sunni, and Iran is Shia. And they absolutely hate each other. Look at what Iran did. Iran bombed Saudi Arabia's fields. Okay, Oil fields, Uh, yeah. And that that was, yeah, they bombed their oil fields. That was one of the reasons they kept provoking Trump to take out this Soleimani. They bombed the Saudi oil fields, they shot down a drone, and then they finally killed an American, the contractor, and that's what got Soleimani killed. So uh, we have to understand that Iran and Arabia hate each other, and in fact, when you read Isaiah 21, uh, it's an end-of-the-age prophecy. You have to look at it. It says the wilderness by the sea. It's not talking about ancient Babylon, because ancient Babylon's not by the sea. It's talking about Arabia, uh, Mystery Babylon. And so we have to understand uh, that prophecy, and it says that Medo-Persia are the ones who destroy Arabia at the end of the age. So that tells you right there, they do not get along, they hate each other. And then they're the Sunnis, just like Turkey is Sunni, okay, Egypt is Sunni, and they're not going to allow Iran to march across uh 
the Middle East for long. You know, how, what, to what extent, I, I'm not sure, but we're going to see that. And when you see Iran March, you'll see the response. But uh, Saudi Arabia's have, have become a little bit more secular than they used to be uh, with the creation of Neom. Okay, if you haven't heard about Neom, it's this new mega city that they're building along the borders of uh, Egypt, uh, Israel, Jordan. Uh, it's going to be a secular city. And when we look at the biblical prophets and uh, what they speak of at Messiah's second coming, there's a judgment in Edom. Read Isaiah 63, Isaiah 34. You know, he comes from Edom with blood on his garments. That's Jordan and Saudi Arabia, where they're building the city. So we have to understand we're starting to see these prophecies. And I do believe it's Mystery Babylon in Revelation 17, 18. The oil, I mean, the uh, wine that John speaks of is oil, what everybody needs in the world that makes the whole world drunk of a fornication. Well, Islam is the biggest uh, false religion in the world, spiritual adultery. So I do believe Arabia plays a major part in this, and we see uh, who burns her. Eventually, it's uh, Iran, but Iran is under the Antichrist kingdom in Ezekiel 38. So when Turkey defeats Iran in Daniel 8, Iran falls underneath the Ottoman Empire, if you will, the Turkish Empire, if you will, the Antichrist Kingdom eventually, if you will, and then they burn her with fire, Arabia. And when you read Isaiah 34, and I uh, forget the other chapter, you can read it uh, as well as a burner with fire and the smoke comes up forever and ever. Well, oil fields burn forever and ever. Have you, mm-hmm. Do you remember Saddam Hussein when he set the oil fields on fire in uh, Kuwait? You know, in Iraq, I mean, it looked like just smoke going. It, it basically what the prophets are speaking of. So, Arabia is very important to understand, but they have come into consolidarity with Israel at the moment because they need Israel. They need America. Mm-hmm. They need Turkey to defend them from Iran. You know, so you're seeing them to move over there. Now, that doesn't change their ultimate outcome, but uh, you need, uh, they need that Sunni alliance. And I wrote a lot of this in the first book about the connections with all that. And, and really, basically, you can look at it, America, Turkey, Egypt, Arabia. Okay, and then you have Iran, China, Russia. China's not so much, but Russia and uh, Iran and Russia, it will support Syria. Okay, so you're about to see this major war uh, that's going to happen in Daniel 8. So uh, we just all have to pay attention. All of this works together you know, with uh, all of the prophecies work together. And and like you said before, it's not about anybody's book, only but one, and that's the Holy Bible. And my uh, goal is to get people to start reading uh, the prophecies of the biblical prophets. I make a joke that uh, they're not called historians. They're called prophets for a reason. (laughs) That means that uh, we need to all be paying attention. And even though it might have been fulfilled to some in the past, uh, it will be fulfilled ultimately Again, and uh, just like, you know, uh, we see with all the prophets in Daniel 8, I keep, uh, if I can keep saying that, Daniel 8 is the main one, I think, if you want to know about the war and the transition of the kingdoms, Daniel 8 is the one of the major prophecies to read at the moment. Amen. Um, I'm going to just throw a quick couple little things out there for people to realize, and then we're going to, I'd like to just briefly talk about your books and where people can go get those if they're interested. Uh, I read recently the same thing that Erdogan did with consolidating power uh, in Turkey, Putin has recently done. Um, basically, it doesn't look quite the same because Putin is kind of the power behind the throne, uh, but he's recently consolidated power in Russia. Um, and then China connects because 
America and the West is a mutual enemy uh, for China. It's not that China is necessarily, like you say, real big in all of these prophecies, but basically they're kind of in cahoots with Russia because we are their mutual enemy. Um, Western-style democracies, re- you know, representative um, republics, the, those are in opposition to the type of government that Russia and China have. And so what, how much they play in biblical prophecy, you know, I, I don't know, but I do know that the more teammates they have on their team is not good. Ultimately, God wins in the end, but it's certainly going to add fuel to the fire, like you mentioned earlier. Um, and then North Korea is another curveball uh, that's in all of this. Um, and I know that in the next few nights, you're going to be getting to the geopolitical uh, prophecy uh, side of things with the conference that you're at for those three weeks, I mean, for those three days, next three days. And so uh, it may be that we can bring Chad on uh, in a later podcast and kind of get some more updates. But everything that you've shared has just been awesome. It's been awesome to uh, feel like I'm getting a little bit of some inside information from some of the generals in the IDF. Is that Israel Defense Force? Is that what that stands for? Israeli that's Defense right. Force. Yeah, that's right. And, and and really, we've been in the geopolitical prophecy stuff from day one. Uh, this is just a conference to really uh, go in more depth, you mm-hmm. know, so to speak. But yeah, I mean, they've definitely confirmed uh, the things that we're seeing and that you and I have spoken about over the years, Taylor. We're definitely seeing these things come to fruition. And of course, none of us know when Turkey's going to uh, conquer Iran and, and beat them, gain victorious, uh, gain victory over them. But uh, at the same time, you can start to see the movement uh, of all of these things, mm-hmm. and uh, even with the American president. So, and uh, Chad, I, there's something that just came to my mind, and I, I really want to mention this, and and then we're going to get to, uh, you know, the, the books and, and the website because I really want people to be familiar with this. But that 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 this brings something to my mind that really grieves my heart. Um, maybe it's because I work with young people a good bit, but I can just feel and hear uh, possibly some people listening to this podcast and either feeling uh, one of two emotions that I hope that they're not feeling. But that is either A, overwhelmed, and therefore they check out, or, or, or B, they're like, I don't really care about all this. This doesn't, I'm an American. I live in a city with running water. People aren't shooting bombs at me. Chad, how do we get people to pay attention? How do we, maybe it's not our job, but it, it grieves me to think that there are people that, that think this is very distant from them. This is on their side of the world. How, how does this affect us as American believers, Chad? What, what do we need to do? How do we need, what do we need to do? Well, I think it's a, for someone to think like that is a very irresponsible approach to the gospel, in my opinion. And uh, all of these prophecies we just mentioned, yes, they're exciting, but we have to understand, just like the prophet Joel said, it's an awesome but terrible day. It's awesome for the believers, but terrible for those who don't believe, as we all know. So I think it's irresponsible for anybody to have that. Not everybody can come to be a missionary in Israel or Syria or anybody like that, but I think it's irresponsible for us not to or irresponsible not to care about it mm-hmm. and to understand that it's a humanitarian issue. If you have a soul and a heart inside of you, then you should care about uh, anyone going to hell. God does not want anyone to perish, but all to have everlasting life. And when you look at the uh, b- the political field over here, the geopolitical field over here, and the gospel, it's very important when you've got uh, all these Syrian refugees, all these Turkish uh, refugees going into Europe, all the Lebanese, um, you've got Iraqi refugees, all these people who need the gospel. And this is where 
this is where where it is. This is where it began. This is where it will end. So we live in the cush land of of uh, America, if you will. But I think we all need to have the heart of God, and heart, God's heart is what I just mentioned, John three sixteen, that He doesn't want any to perish, but have all to have everlasting life. And He Amen. hates to see anyone perish, even including the worst of the worst people. And we all have to remember that Paul was a terrorist before he became a believer. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, he, he killed Christians. So we can't hate these people. Uh, just like Messiah says, we've got to love these people. We've got to love our enemies, share the gospel with them. And we've got to support the people, uh, number one, as a human, but also as for the gospel. It's all about for the sake of, for the Kurds to come to the gospel, mm-hmm. for the Iraqi Christians, for the for Americans, for Mexicans, for for the whole world, because God has his remnant in all four corners of the world. And I think uh, we're all going to be judged upon that, especially as very literal, what we just mentioned in Matthew 25 about his brethren. Mm-hmm. Okay, but then we can take that even further to being a good human being. And we might not all can be missionaries to Mexico or uh, China or wherever, but we can definitely pray for these people, uh, pray for these people and uh, pour out our heart and stand beside the people. Because uh, most of the time, it's just like the Palestinian people, you know, uh, just like the general said today, uh, the, um, he said, there's 30,000 people that control 2.1 million people in, Pal- in uh, Gaza. He said, you go over to Gaza, those 2.1 million people are probably going to be, most of them, okay, are going to be extremely uh, polite, generous, kind to you. But you're dealing with the 30,000 radicals and the uh, P- PLO and the P- the authority, the PA authority. So you're dealing with these people. It's just a mindset shift to understand that most Muslim people, they are great people. Some would say they're better than, mm-hmm. than most believers, mm-hmm. most, Christ- most Christians. They're just deceived. Okay, so we just need to uh, always keep that in mind that we're dealing with real lives over here. Yes, it's exciting, quote unquote, to see God's prophecies to be fulfilled. But at the end of the day, the lives are going to be taken and not all those people are going to be believers. Most are not going to be believers. And we have to understand for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the Messiah's blood that he shed for everybody, Mm -hmm. no matter who you are. Um, he, he loves one color, and that's red because of his blood. Amen. And um, we always have to keep that in mind. So I know that um, when you see it firsthand, it hits you a little bit uh, harder than uh, if you're in America or you know, wherever you are. But when you see it uh, on the ground, so to speak, and you can just feel the bloodshed, you can feel the, mm. the true struggle you know, of it. Um, it definitely hits home to what really uh, what the sake of the gospel is all about. Amen. Well, Chad, um, we have talked all around this this subject of the biblical prophets and the prophecies. Can you briefly uh, tell us the two books that you've written, their names, and where we can get them, and, and how if someone wants to stay in the know of both what you're getting on the ground uh, over there, uh, anything that God is revealing to you, um, or uh, news. I know you stay in the know with a lot of these people, like you mentioned, the generals uh, on the ground over there. You just kind of have your hand on the heartbeat of geopolitical uh, stuff as it relates to prophecy. How can people find your book? Tell us a little bit about them and about your website. Okay, yeah, thank you. Um, first of all, the books are, I was with a publisher, but now I've taken the rights uh, back. You know, I think there's I think uh, there's been some conflict with him with, with a lot of things with the what's going on. So actually, I had the rights back to my book, and the reason I wanted to go with a publisher is to get the connect with other believers and also 
spread it. But now that I have it, people can just email me and I'll send you a book for free. You know, I don't make money on them or anything like that. Never have, uh, never will. So people can just email me or uh, contact me uh, through the website, uh, my YouTube uh, channel, uh, faithfulperformance.com. My uh, YouTube is the same thing, Faithful Performance. And I'll send you a book. I do have um, videos on YouTube that go through the first book each chapter i go through in detail of them okay and um they can visit that as well and i kind of go through it in a very detail oriented of what i believe uh, we are personally seeing and uh so uh, the first book it goes through basically these markers of 1948 is when the state of israel was created which some of the major points of the return of the messiah is the return of the jewish people home in 1948 they have to be in jerusalem Okay, to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord in Matthew 23, 39. And then when you see the surrounding nations surrounding them, that's some of it. Well, actually, they're not surrounding the city of Jerusalem now. But like I said, look at a map. you got little Israel and Satan has a line around them, the radicals, mm-hmm. you know, in all the uh, Islamic countries. So I go through the importance of this timeline that I believe that God wants us to understand. We have to remember God says to watch. Messiah said to watch. You know, he said that over and over. And why would he give us the prophecies if he didn't want us to watch? You know, right. it just makes sense. And he points us back to the book of Daniel. You know, he says, when you see the abomination of desolation in Daniel, well, I believe he's pointing you back to the whole book of Daniel because it's not only about the abomination of desolation, the middle of the tribulation, the three and a half year mark. It's about Daniel's visions of the end of the age. You know, and that gives us the basic timeline that where we are. I tell people that all the time. If you want to know where we are, look at the four kingdoms of Daniel. It's the basic way because some of the uh, prophecies and some of the prophets, yes, they are tough to understand. But the basic way is to look at Israel first. Look at the kingdoms, and you'll see all these things come. So in the first book, I go through that, and it's kind of like a timeline from 1948 to the New Jerusalem. You know, I go through 4867, the Daniel's Four Kingdoms, the Second Coming of the Messiah, you know, kind of like what that looks like in the Scriptures, and then the Millennial Kingdom, which a lot of believers don't understand. It's the thousand-year reign Mm -hmm. of the Messiah, literal, on earth in Jerusalem to fulfill the everlasting covenants that we discussed before. And then I go to the, through the New Jerusalem in the best way that any uh, the best way I could. I mean, I don't think anybody can really picture, you know, what uh, the New Jerusalem looks like. But in Revelation twenty one twenty two, and also in Isaiah sixty five, uh, sixty six, and a few, few other prophecies, uh, it gives us uh, some detail that we can just explore and things like that. So uh, that's the first book. That's Messiah's final warning, or what is that? Um, God's prophetic timeline? Messiah's yeah. final warning. That's right. It's God's prophetic timeline, Messiah's, sec, uh, Messiah's final warning, and uh, which is uh, a warning to all of us to understand Matthew 24 and Matthew 25. The Olivet Discourse, the signs, the deception, the wars, the nations, kingdom against kingdom, which I believe points to Daniel too. Or Daniel as well, the book of Daniel, kingdom against kingdom. What, what have we been speaking of? Kingdoms against kingdoms. And then all the pestilences, the earthquakes, etc., and then what does he say? When these things all come to, at one time, one can't come true, one the other, but at one time, you know, and then he goes on to say uh, about the fig tree, you know, prophecy and thing or parable, etc. He talks about um, uh, the rapture, which uh, we have to all understand. And I've changed my uh, stance on this from when I 
five years ago or whatever, that it says in there immediately after the tribulation is very clear, immediately after the tribulation. So a lot of believers say, well, I don't care about all this stuff. I'll be gone anyhow. I'll be raptured. Uh, no, you won't. You know, we're going to be here during the tribulation. Who is going to spread the gospel during that time? We are. The church is to the Jewish people. Who's going to tell the Jewish people to flee? We are. You know, Messiah, you know, they're not they're not reading Messiah's words. You know, so who's going to give them that opportunity? So uh, I go through that, and then uh, that's the first book. So, all right, and then we go to the most recent book, which this is an interesting subject. God's fishermen, Satan hunt, Satan's hunters, and unspoken biblical prophecy that's terrorizing the world. Something no one. You wrote this book because you felt like this was a big issue no one was talking about. What briefly tell us about that book? What that's about? Sure. Yeah. Since the first book, you know, when that was written in 2015, 2016, I started networking with a lot of prophecy teachers and books and people, and and I was just amazed because this prophecy was supposed to be in the first book, you know, but uh, actually my mother told me to take this chapter out and it was like 3000 words. And then it turned into like a 80,000 word book. So <laughs> I guess mom's no best. Right. Yeah. So, um, but anyhow, but anyhow, um, this prophecy is in Jeremiah and um, it's Jeremiah 16. And I'll just paraphrase it. It says basically at the end of the age, uh, that God is going to send some, send the fishermen to fish the children of Israel back to the promised land. And then after that, he will send the hunters to hunt them back, uh, you know, to the promised land. So it goes on. So the question is, has that occurred in history? They've been exiled twice. First, Babylon. Uh, they were not fished back or hunted back. Cyrus allowed them to come back. Uh, the second time after Rome, they were not fished back first. Someone could say, well, Hitler, you know, eliminated three, uh, a third of them. Okay, that's fair, but they weren't fished back first. So it says he's going to fish them back. Then he will afterwards send the hunters. So, and it also makes sense that uh, who's the fisherman? Well, it's the Jewish people. They're going to fish their own people back. Well, you can't fish your own people back unless you're a state again. <laughs> you know, how, where are you going to fish them to? Okay, so in 1948, that's when I believe the fishermen started to fish their own people back. Like Romans 11 says, uh, for the sake of the gospel, they might be enemies right now, not for long, but right now they're enemies to the gospel, but they are still the elect of the covenants. But the covenants were made with them, and we're grafted in like we mentioned before. But uh, since 48, uh, there's been 3 million Jewish people, over 3 million Jews, Jewish people making Aliyah or return back to the promised land. I believe that fishermen were released then in Jeremiah's prophecy. Okay, and, and, and let me add this. We're all fishermen. Okay, we're all fishermen. You, me, whoever, Matthew 4:19. we're all fishermen if we believe in the Lord. But for Jeremiah's specific prophecy, I believe the Jewish people are going to fish their people back. Uh, the World Zionist Organization, the Jewish Agency, the government, you look what they've done. I put this in the book. They fished their people back. Uh, the Aliyah Return Center, which a friend of mine runs that here in Israel in the Galilee area, he's Jewish. He's fishing his people back. He's a believer, too, uh, by the way, So, but he's fishing his own people back. So I believe that started there. And then when does the hunter start? Well, I personally believe it began in 2014 and 2015. And the reason I say that is whenever you look at uh, the blood moons, I don't know if we have time for this, but I'll try to do it real quick if I can. Mm -hmm. um, um, when you look at God's celestial bodies, uh, the sun and the moon, okay, the, uh, this is, he breathed them out of his mouth. He set them in Genesis 1.14, 14, 
for signs and seasons. In Psalms 89, it says the moon is the faithful witness in the sky. Wow. So is God's faithful witness in the sky? Psalms 104, it says the moon is for appointed times. So whenever we look at 1948, and uh, I can go through this real quick, is if you're not familiar with a lunar eclipse, it's a blood moon, okay? And it's uh, in the rabbinical thinking, it stands for Israel. The sun stands for the nations. The moon stands for Israel because the nations are larger than Israel. That's the rabbinical thought. And whenever there's a blood moon, uh, when you look at the last 500 years, okay, there's been four tetrads, which is four blood moons in a row, on the Lord's feast days in Leviticus 23. That's only happened four times in the last 500 years. And if I can go through them real quick, in 19, or I'm sorry, in 1492, the Spanish Inquisition happened, which is the expel. They expelled the Jewish people from Spain. 1493, 1494, there was four blood moons in a row, both years on the Feast of Passover and Tabernacles. And there was a movement of the Jewish people. Uh, the next one happened in 1948. We know what that is. The state of Israel was created. 1949-1950, four consecutive blood moons, both years on the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Tabernacles. Go to 1967. That was the next time. What happened there? They recaptured Jerusalem as their capital. 1967-1968, a tetrad of blood moons, four blood moons in a row, both years on the Feast of Passover and Tabernacles. Wow. And then the last one happened in the, the last one happened in twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen. What occurred then? Same thing. Four blood moons in a row on the Feast of Passover and Tabernacles both years. So that's only happened four times in the last five hundred years. Okay, so what happened then? Okay. Um of course the fishermen are gonna keep fishing their people back. I think that'll happen until uh, the midpoint of the tribulation, and then they'll be, they're commanded to leave. Okay, they're commanded to flee. Uh, just like Messiah said, that's when I believe the hunters were released. Why do I say that? When you look at Europe and you look at what happened in the Arab Spring, the 2011, uh, the disasters that happened in Bolivia, Gaddafi, they killed him, revolution, Egypt, two revolutions, uh, Tunisia, Syria, civil war. You look at Yemen, you look at Iraq, that was still an upheaval. And what happens is that refugees fled into Europe. They went through Turkey, they went through the Mediterranean, uh, through boats. Uh, it's well documented, uh, you know, the Syrian refugees, the Iraqi refugees, uh, they, they fled, okay, through Europe. And look what happened to Europe in 2014, 2015. I call it the Islamic invasion again. Not all Muslims are, are bad. Most of them are great people. But with that, the terrorists are going to take advantage of the refugee problem. They're going to uh, acclimate in there with them, and they're going to cause terror. And that's exactly what they did. Why is that? Because the Jewish population, uh, Europe has the third largest Jewish population in the world, especially France. And do, do your own research. I put it in the book, but do your own research. It was a war zone. It was terror everywhere, every country, rapes terror, uh, anti-Semitism, you name it, in all these countries, Spain, Germany, uh, Denmark, Sweden, look at London, look at London, look at what's yeah. happening in London right now. So that this prophecy of the fishermen and the hunters is one that I believe it goes back into America as well, because we have the second largest Jewish population. Well, look at what's happened recently. You know, ever since, you, you look at the last couple of years, the anti-Semitism and What's going on? Look at the Congress. There's three women 
uh, radicals in there telling you death to Israel that they don't support. I mean, out in the open, I mean, can you imagine? Look at Dearborn, Michigan. Look at Minnesota. New York City. Look at New York City. Look at, because of our open borders, because of our education system with the Common Core from Bush. Okay, you got to learn the five pillars of Islam. A friend of mine two years ago, she's like, man, I live in Brentwood, Tennessee, which is you wouldn't think that would go on, but they're learning the five pillars of Islam. So we've been infiltrated with Islam, and because they cannot come start a war, they'll lose. They're going to infiltrate us through the borders with the radicals, education system, you know, the political system. Look at what's going on. I'm going to be doing a book. I'm going to be doing a video series on the book here uh, when I when I get back on the second book, just like I did the first book. And people will be astonished at America and how many. Muslims were elected in 2018. Mm-hmm. You'll be astonished in in the local levels, in the regional area, in the state area. I mean, it's unbelievable what's going on. And I believe, again, the primary hunters are Islam. That doesn't mean that uh, some of these Nazi people and these right wing people, these racist white supremacists, aren't going to do it as well. Of course, but the, just like Europe, the main torch will be Islam. Just like in Europe. And it will bring that old ghost up in Europe, which it has. And you look at the Aliyah that's come from uh, Europe. It's amazing. Since 2014, 2015, I believe that's coming to America. We might have a reprieve right now, but I think, just like we just spoke about, you're seeing that coming. Mm -hmm. So this prophecy is going to affect the whole world. Jew and Gentile, believers, Christians. I mean, it's not going to just be on Jewish people. Islam doesn't discriminate. But the prophecy does say he's going to hunt them. He's going to hunt them back, okay, and and then to provoke them back home to the promised land. And I think it's a very important prophecy. It goes with all these other signs that we're seeing at the end of the age, and uh, it's just very, uh, very important. It is. It's very powerful. I, I love that that you've put it out there, Chad. That you're willing to get these books in the hands of anyone interested. Again, you can go to uh, Chad's website, faithfulperformance.com. Check that out. Uh, also, just search that on YouTube. I'm sure there's a link to that from his website. And let me just say this, uh, Chad, and, and me and Chad have spoke very candidly about this. Um, you know, and I, I tell young people this all the time. I tell anybody I know this. Anyone you meet in the Christian realm that claims to have all of it figured out, that claims to have all the answers, you need to be you need to run from that person. You need to be very scared. Chad has never claimed to have all the answers. He doesn't claim to understand everything. Neither do I. I think that would be very dangerous for anyone to say that. That being said, there are there are times where Chad and I have had differences of opinions on certain things. Uh, but all of that being said, I think that Chad offers a great deal of wisdom in terms of deciphering the different kingdoms, who they are, like he mentioned, uh, some of the original Hebrew words, to help us put stamps on who is who, how this scene plays out. I think that Chad has a lot to offer in the realm of giving us clarity and biblical prophecy, and I appreciate all the work that he has done and the way that he has let God use him. And, uh, you know, there's things that me and Chad probably don't agree on. I'm still trying to see what God has to say to me. Like Chad mentioned, he's changed changed his stance on the the timeline of the rapture. Uh, You see that across the Christian spectrum. It doesn't mean that we're not brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't have to agree on everything to agree that Jesus is the King and the Lord of all and that we belong to Him and that His message is reconciliation and restoration of all people. His desire is to save everyone. Like Chad said, his favorite 
color is red because he loves everyone, uh, Jew, Gentile, um, doesn't matter the color of your skin, doesn't matter your current religion, he still loves everyone. So I just want to mention that, that, you know, there may be some things that we don't all agree on, and that's okay. And that's okay because God is going taking each of us through a process of sanctification. But even if, uh, you know, we don't agree on everything, it doesn't mean that we can't take wisdom and, uh, and knowledge and learn from each other and help each other. And, and like Chad said, he's, he's learned more since he's been in Israel. And uh, that process, I pray, will continue for all of us. The minute we think we've got nothing to learn, that's a very dangerous place to be. That's the way the Pharisees were. And that's why Jesus' strongest condemnation was for those who thought they knew it all. And that is, that is something we all need to remember. And Chad, I know you agree with that. We've all got uh, things that God is teaching us and growing us and things to learn as well um, till we die, till we go to be with the Lord on the other side of, of uh, heaven. Amen to that. And I, I definitely confirm all that. I definitely don't have all the answers. I'm just searching. And whenever you find yourself in error, correct it, ask, repent, and move forward, whether it's prophecy, whether it's, you know, holy living, whether it's whatever the Lord's working on you, repent and move forward and don't and move forward. You Amen. know, and as far as the biblical prophets, just look at the prophets because guess what? You and I and everybody else in the world are living at the most exciting but terrible time. Awesome but terrible, like Joel said, uh in the since the first coming, I believe. And you and I and everyone else has a front row seat to see how all this plays out. And the question comes is, what is your why on this earth? And are you going to be a part of the Lord's kingdom on this earth? So we can all be told, well done, faithful servant. Uh, the Lord needs the laborers in the field. And as we all know, many are called, few are chosen. I hope me, I hope you, I hope all of us take our spot because we're not all supposed to be missionaries. We're not all supposed to be doctors or whatever, but whatever ram of influence you have, uh, whoever's listening to this, affect it in a positive way for the kingdom of God and stand. If you have to stand alone, stand, because just like Paul said, I stand to move forward, you know, Amen. and that's what we all uh, strive for. So, man, I really appreciate you having me on and I love you. Love what you're doing. And um, we will be in touch soon, my friend. Amen. Thank you so much, Chad. We'll talk to you soon. All right, just like I promised, that is a very deep interview. Uh, just listening back to it, it's amazing to me how much ground we covered, and still it seems like we don't even begin to have our arms around the entire issue that's happening in the Middle East. Uh, but the, again, going back to the title of this podcast, The Center, when you think about all the things that you see on the news, when you think about everything that you read in the Bible, just remember that... First of all, Jesus is at the center of all of it. But in terms of Bible prophecy, it's all about the nation of Israel. And it's all about the covenants and the promises that God has made to His people. And like Chad said, we have been grafted into uh, the nation of Israel. We are all God's people now. But let us read prophecy uh, with Israel as the center when we read it. That will keep us... Uh, from erring as often. I think there's going to be something we all learn when we get uh, to heaven, and as we see it unfold, there's going to be things that we don't necessarily understand correctly and that we're not um, 
sifting through correctly, and that's okay. God just expects us to pursue Him, to take up our cross and follow Him, to read His Word and ask Him to speak to us and for us to pay attention. Uh, So remember that Israel is at the center of this, and that that is all the more reason why, like Chad said, we should be praying for Israel, for the Jewish people. Um, Also, there was something that Chad mentioned after we were done recording the interview that I told him that I would mention at the end, and that is this. Um, When you look at uh, the Holocaust, World War II with uh, Hitler and the way the Jews were um, treated and the way that uh, many of them were killed, um, Chad said the problem for Christian people with that situation was that many times and most of them kept quiet, knowing something wasn't right, knowing bad things were happening to God's people, and the Christians of the day during the Holocaust didn't do enough to stand up and fight for God's people, to speak up for the Jewish people. And Chad said, that should not be us in this time and in this season of history. Um, When we have an opportunity to speak the truth, like we have on this podcast, when we have an opportunity um, to say what God has said about His promises to His people and to us, we need to do that. And we need to speak against the injustices of all mankind, and especially God's people, the Jewish people. So make sure that uh, you keep them in your thoughts and prayers, and I need to do a better job of that as well. And uh, it's been a good podcast. It's been a thinking person's podcast, but that's okay. We all need to be uh, with our hands to the plow and using everything that we've been given, including our mind and our intellect, for the kingdom of God. So thank you for joining us, and we will see you guys uh, soon. Thank you.